0: Hi everyone and really happy to be joined today by Jonathan Schultz. So Jonathan serves as an academic counsellor at Bakersfield College. He has a master's degree in school counselling and a doctorate degree in organisational leadership. Along with his job as a counsellor, he is passionate about helping others with mental health struggles. He's created a website, mentalhealthstruggles.com, that is dedicated to bringing awareness and resources for mental health issues. He and his wife also wrote a book titled Obsessed, a couple's story living with obsessive compulsive disorder and their strategies on how to deal with this condition. His long-term goal is to create a foundation to help pay for people's mental health therapy, which is an awesome long-term goal, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. Welcome, Jonathan. Lovely to have you with us today.
1: Hannah, thank you so much for having me. Anytime I can uh, try to help any type of audience, whether it's here in the States or abroad, to talk about mental health and just helping people with their mental issues, whether they have bad issues or just kind of regular issues is always a pleasure. So thank you very much.
0: Yeah, no, you're very welcome. And um, I really would love to dive into OCD with you, obsessive compulsive disorder, because it's something I don't think we've really covered on the podcast. And I like to um, have people on and kind of share their experience and cover a range of mental health conditions so that, you know, people can kind of hear about their own experience, but also for people who maybe don't know that much about mental health to really kind of challenge the stigma. So, um, yeah, I'd really love to to dive into OCD with you today.
1: Absolutely. So um, OCD, just giving a quick little kind of overview of everything, um, OCD is when you have certain thoughts, feelings, or even images that kind of get stuck in your mind. So, and and they, when you look at it on, kind of from the traditional, when you see it on TV, on the news, on movies, people think that OCD people are very, they have to have everything very orderly. They have to wash their hands a lot. Um, and, And that can happen, but that's actually like a very small kind of minority of people. The big thing is, I mean, you have people that get these thoughts in their head, they're watching a movie, and you know there's a killer on a movie and all of a sudden they're like well wait a minute I've had a thought in my head before that I might want to kill someone because I got really mad does that make me a murderer and then they'll get stuck on that thought for days months and and even years or um, you know you're in a relationship and you see somebody else of whatever gender you are uh, attracted to and you think oh you know they're that's a very pretty person or a very good looking dude or whatever you think and then also, wait a minute. Does that mean I don't love my spouse? Does that mean that um, that I I'm treating on them mentally? Does that mean that I'm you know I'm, I'm falling out of love? Um, and it's it's a very debilitating disorder, and, and it manifests itself in a lot of ways. But essentially, it, it follows what's called the OCD cycle. So, kind of putting it into a I guess a visual, but you can't see me. You, you get a thought stuck in your head, whatever your theme is, and if you look at themes, there's so many sexual uh, image themes, Um, people get hyper aware of their their, um, breath, and then they just obsess that they're only going to think about their breath for the rest of their life, and that's going to be overwhelming, so whatever your theme is, right, you get a thought that gets in your head, and then that's the first step, then you get anxiety attached to the thought, okay, so, you know, you think of your breath, oh my gosh, that's going to be in my mind forever, I'm never going to be able to do anything, because all I'm going to think about is my breath, anxiety, right? But then the big thing is the third step, which is the compulsion. Compulsions are things that people with OCD do to make that thought go away. That brings, brings momentary relief to the anxiety. So it actually, it's a physical thing. And there's brain scans that are out there that's just fascinating where you can actually see that the brain then believes that this thought is an actual threat because that compulsion is reinforcing Right, that oh my gosh, you know, am am I turning into a murderer? Let me go talk to my wife. There's the compulsion, right? So your brain gets this kind of almost like a dopamine hit in a way, but it, it gets that momentary relief to the anxiety that makes you feel better for a while. But what happens is it's reinforcing that um, you call them intrusion, an intrusive or irrational thought, and then that just brings back that obsession even harder and even deeper. And it can, I mean, it, it literally can make you go into a spiraling like myself. I mean, I had a really bad suicidal breakdown um, and very many people with OCD either have to take time off work, become suicidal or suicidal, unfortunately attempt suicide. And, and some, some of them are um, successful in that, but it's a very regimented kind of cycle the OCD cycle that you would say and the therapy for OCD is much different than other therapy. I don't just sit and talk to my therapist. I have homework that I do, which I can explain if you would like because it's actually kind of fascinating homework. So
0: yeah, that'd be really interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so let me let's get dive into that. So what happens is um and again I could talk for this for days. So cut me off if I go too (laughs) too long. I'm sorry. Um traditional therapy and I think all therapy is good, but you know you go in, you have some kind of issue that's going on, you're anxious, you're depressed, you talk to a therapist, they listen to you and they give you advice. That's kind of the traditional talk therapy, they get to a goal. Well, with OCD, it's it's very structured, because it's kind of a it's a thought pattern that you are trying to attack, right? And the only way to get over or, or manage OCD better is, is to stop those compulsions. So as an example, going back to, to what we were talking about, people that maybe think they're turning into murderers, it's called harm OCD. And it can manifest itself in many ways, but you have to start through your therapy journey you have to understand, first off, that this is an obsession. So it's kind of an irrational thought, right? So that's kind of the first step is you have to track what your rational thoughts are in a journal. The second step is you do have to figure out what your compulsions are. So a big compulsion of mine is talking to my wife about all of my issues because then it makes me feel good, right? Um, or Googling. Googling is something that people with OCD do a lot. So you figure out your compulsions. And then what you do is after you... Kind of understand yourself and your your mindset. The first step is you have to work on limiting or not doing the compulsions. All okay. So it sounds very very easy and very basic, but that's the first step. Is you know you you track everything. You work with your therapist. I met weekly for a few months to really get a good idea. Okay, Jonathan, you're questioning your relationship. What is your compulsion? Well, you texted your pastor the other day. That's a compulsion. You talk to your dad. That's a compulsion. So now when that thought comes up again you don't do the compulsion. Well, what what happens when you don't do the compulsion is your anxiety spikes super high because you need that reassurance, right? Like you need to feel like, man, I'm not turning into this or I'm not becoming that, or I am a good person. Got to limit those compulsions and and really try to not do them. But then, and that's kind of, I would say that's very basic therapy type of stuff. You know, you're going to get that type, but what changes it is the next step, which is the exposure piece and what this is, and this is really fascinating is once you get a good handle on, you understand your compulsions and obsessions, like you, you get it. And then you're, you're getting to where you can resist doing the compulsions. Cause that's where your therapist comes in. You know, you sit and talk, how'd you do when this thought came up? You know, how did you, how did you um, respond? Did you do a compulsion? Then your therapist will say, okay, now it's time to do exposures and what you do. And this is the very scary thing at the beginning, but evidence has shown that this is really the the gold standards of OCD. You then write a list of all of the things that scare you on a scale of zero to 10, any obsession that you've had, um, I'm turning into this, I'll become this. I might go to hell for Christians. Um, you know, um, for any type of different religion things, you know, there's scrupulosity. It's what it's called. You write a list and you literally start going back to those thoughts and those situations on purpose allowing yourself to get anxious, but not doing the compulsion. So, you know, traditional therapy at times will say what triggers you avoid it, but OCD it's what triggers you now go get triggered on purpose. So mm-hmm. you're, you're purposely going towards that obsession, you know, cause some people, um, You know, they they get this obsession that they might hurt their kids and they literally stop holding their kids. Mm -hmm. Um, They they avoid children altogether because they just get this, you know, irrational thought that they're going to hurt somebody and they avoid. Well, after you get used to your therapy, your therapist will say, okay, now it's time to gradually go closer and hold your kids, you know, and um, it's, it's, uh, I actually know of a therapist who has a client multiple do this. This is real fascinating. Where they have, people have a fear of hurting others. Like, oh my gosh, am I going to go crazy, right? Um, Hurt people. So what they do is they bring a knife into the therapy session and they put the knife in the room. This is true. It's really interesting. And I was listening to a podcast the other day. They put the knife in the room. They say, okay, you know, you think you're going to hurt someone. Here's a knife, you know? So that way the person's like, oh my gosh, I have a knife. I might grab the knife and hurt someone. Well, every week this therapist basically was getting the knife closer to the person, eventually had the person hold the knife and then sat next to the therapist with the knife for the full hour session, just because that made the the client so nervous. Oh my gosh, what if I go crazy and do it? And it was a way of, um, you know, approaching that fear. So it's that second piece, that exposure piece that, um, is very regimented and, and, unfortunately not all therapists are able to do that and it's a it's a very structured type of therapy mm-hmm. um i'm still going through it right now actually and i will for a while but um but yeah so that's that's kind of how ocd is in a nutshell
0: yeah thank you for for sharing it and for sharing from your personal experience yes. and i guess from that the desensitization piece is the aim that you know if that obsess uh, obsessional irrational thought comes up to be able to kind of looking at it and go, no, that's not rational. And I'm not going to do the compulsion to be able to then, you know, I guess kind of carry on holding your children or whatever, without that kind of sequence uh, happening.
1: Absolutely. Yes. No, it's, it's, it's a way of, I hate saying to prove to your brain that it's irrational because if you really get deep in the weeds and if any OCD therapists that know what they're talking about hear me say "prove," then that's actually could be a compulsion. But it's it's yes, it's this is an irrational thought. I'm gonna I'm gonna be with my kids and have fun, um, and the thought can. So the goal is not to make the thought go away because then you're forcing the thought, right? Like if I tell you right now to not think of a white bear you and I are both thinking of a white bear, right? Um, so the thought, the, the goal is not to make it go away. The goal is to sit there, kind of let it stay there because everybody has weird thoughts. You, know, you might not have OCD. You've had an irrational thought before. Your brain works differently than mine and it just comes in and goes out because you're like, well, that's weird. And it just, boom, it goes out. Well, I get it. And I'm like, well, shoot, why do I have that? Oh, and then it just gets stuck, right? So yes. Yeah, so it's a way of, you know, you're, you're, because they have brain scans that actually show the parts of your brain get lit up, you know, when you're in this obsessional loop. So you're, it's kind of, yeah, you're, again, it's not the clinical way of saying it, but what you said was definitely right. You know, you're kind of showing yourself like, all right, well, this is it. Hmm. Um, Because it's an irrational thought. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's very hard to go through.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But well, I, I mean, would love to spend all evening
1: talking
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, more about OCD, but I wonder if there's, and, um, you know, and it might be hard to kind of narrow it down to one thing, but for anyone, um, you know, who doesn't know much about OCD or, you know, in terms of the way OCD is portrayed and, and that kind of mm-hmm. thing, is there like one thing that they, you know, if you could change or have people know that you, you would want them to know?
1: Yes, that there are a lot of hidden themes out there that people struggle with OCD that are very common when you get in the field. By that, I mean, some people just get sexual images tucked in their head about, you know, if they're, if they're, um, whatever their religion is, they'll literally obsess about, oh my gosh, what if I have a view of in my head of me having sex with this religious figure? And right now, if you don't know anything about it, your audience is going to be like, that is stinking weird. I get that. But when you get into the weeds of OCD therapy, super common theme. What if, um, I have a vision about having, sex with my, um, one of my family members. That sounds weird. That's very common theme. Um, you know, what if I am driving my car and I decide to run into another car? Um, very common theme. So yeah, just understanding that there are themes out there that to the common person sounds super, super irrational and even sound irrational to someone like myself at the beginning of their OCD journey, then you get into it and it's like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's normal in that context so that would be the biggest thing is there's a lot of stuff out there that seem foreign but when you jump into it it's definitely not
0: yeah thank you for that and yeah. then one thing that um i'm i'm sure you you've heard this before it's something that i think quite often people might say and i wonder what your kind of honest reaction is if you ever hear this people go well oh yeah well i'm a little bit ocd or <laughs> the, <laughs> that kind of yeah. thing what's your kind of honest um reaction to that
1: So if, okay, depending on the mood I'm in, right, I am I try to be a very nice and sensitive person. So my first thing is like, uh, okay, I kind of roll my eyes. If I'm being honest, though, like internally, it's like, unless you've, unless your OCD has driven you to feel suicidal, or unless you are in therapy, and you know what ERP is, you really probably shouldn't say that. Now, again, I'm not going to judge if I have friends that say that when I tell them I have OCD, and they're like, Well, I got a little bit of that too. And I just kind of smile, but, but really, I think it's one of those where, yeah, like I said, I mean, I've asked people, has your OCD driven you to wanting to kill yourself? No. Have you obsessed about something for 10 hours a day? No. Well, you probably don't have OCD. Now everybody have OCD tendencies, right? I guarantee you, you have had some kind of OCD cycle of something that knowing these tips would actually help you even if you don't have OCD but yeah I would just say try not to do that too much especially when you're talking to someone that's been in therapy for two years or three years or four years so yeah
0: yeah but I I don't
1: actually punch people in the face like I know others do No, metaphorically not actually (laughs)
0: yeah I am so I I teach psychology and we um we watched um a bit of an an interview when we were doing a unit on mental health and we were were talking about ocd and it was an interview with someone who was i I think probably like the epitome of oh i'm a little bit ocd and they're like oh but it's really positive because i'm like super organized and we were just
1: yeah yeah you know I think there's some positive things that can come out of it when you get the tools. Like I'm starting to see that I, I have more mental strength than I ever thought I did because of what I've gone through. But yeah, like you said, like those people that say, well, I'm so glad I have OCD because I'm organized. I'm like, yeah, I'm the, Most disorganized person ever. Like that's not always. Yeah. So that that I always kind of be like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I really don't think so. Yeah. yeah, That's a little rough.
0: Yeah, and I guess it really like for someone who, like you said, has been at that that point of feeling suicidal, who has been in therapy, still uh, in Mm -hmm. therapy, it really minimizes and like kind of belittles your experience. Be like, oh yeah, well it's all fine because I'm just super organized and my house is all m- mine isn't I'm just just behind <laughs> me and that yeah, yeah. Uh, and that that kind of thing yeah uh, must really yeah be uh, awful
1: <laughs> yeah it's it and luckily for me I don't take that too personally I guess if I was in a really bad spot I probably would but um you know it, the one thing I give people a little bit of grace for is unfortunately mental health issues. You can't see, you see me, you see me, I'm a six foot three former college baseball player in decent shape. And I I like to joke and you think I have it all together. People tell me that all the time. And really I'm a, I'm a mental basket case because it's inside, you know, so I, I try to give people a little grace when it comes to that but yeah I would caution people just be careful cuz it's not a fun disorder it's real, not not no disorders are fun but it's definitely not a fun disorder when you have these sometimes just awful thoughts so
0: yeah yeah I wonder again I mean we've sort of gone more into- <laughs> Sorry yeah I'm so, I told you
1: no. I pre- I'm sorry <laughs> That's
0: all right that's all right um so um, I guess a, a final uh, kind of question before I ask you my set questions. You've sure. sort of mentioned about some tips, and that, and I know in your book, and we'll remind people uh, at the end where they can, can find your book. Do you have any kind of top tips for anyone who is experiencing uh, OCD or knows someone who is um, to help them?
1: You've got to go to a, ther- uh, a specialized therapist. I went to a psychologist prior to getting hooked up with my current therapist, and he literally told me. Um, OCD basically can only be uh, helped with medication, and which medication is fine. I, I am I am on meds for for OCD, so I'm not going to hide that. But ever since 1990 ish, you know, evidence has shown that therapy is just as helpful, if not more, for certain people than medication alone. So you've got to get a therapist that is specialized in OCD. So. You know, if it's just someone on psychology today that says, I treat OCD, ask them, do you know, how often do you do ERP? Do you know what's your thought on OCD? What's your, you know, you have to have experience or specialization in it. My clinic only does OCD. They don't do anything else. So that's really the the biggest thing. Got to get a specialist.
0: Yeah, Brilliant. Thank you 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 so much. Uh, Like I said, yeah, we could all evening uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) talk about this, but um, I have some set questions. I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Yeah, so my first one. So our overarching topic on the podcast is mental well-being. And we, we love to kind of get into the, the mental health and and share, you know, stories as yeah. well. But mental well-being kind of broadly, um, I ask everyone that comes on, what does it mean to you? So what, you know, does mental well-being or mental wellness mean to
1: you? You know, I think it means sometimes being quote unquote um selfish, meaning you have to take care of yourself if you want to take care of other people. You know, you you have a some I didn't um you're, you teach psychology right that's awesome I, I didn't realize that i hope i i hope i experienced uh or I, I told my story well according to the clinical side right but um my degree in counseling one of the first things they told us was you can't help others if you're not taken care of so that is you know focusing on your meditation your working out taking a break when you feel burnt out um but also plugging through when things are bad because if you have mental health issues You're not always going to have good days and you're going to have to keep going forward. So first and foremost, honestly, it's taking care of yourself in a way that can eventually help others um, and then finding those things to the outlets to kind of help your mental health um, at the same time, dot, 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 knowing that you are going to have to sometimes push through when you're not totally feeling the best. Yeah, for
0: sure. Love Thank you. And I think you've sort of hinted at my follow-up question, but I'll ask it anyway, if you want to add anything. Yeah, um, and that is for yourself, how you look after your own mental well being.
1: Yeah. So I, I definitely try to do the meditation or focus breathing every day. If I can, um, I've, I get a little um, without sounding taboo obsessed about figuring this stuff out. So, you know, I find ways of that take away the overstimulation of yourself for and and by that i mean i've been trying to limit like when i work out i don't listen to music anymore um because a few things i I read in books that i thought were kind of interesting so the meditation physical working out is really important i I would recommend everybody trying to at least get out and move every day at work now i take walks um on my lunch break with a colleague because just to get the blood flowing Um, And then eating healthy. Those are really the three big things. It's so easy to just binge out. I love chips. I love junk food. I'm, I'm, I could be, you know, but there's, there's research on all three, the meditation, the working out and the eating healthy that when you don't do those too well, your mental health suffers. Um, so, you know, don't eat food. I always say I only eat food, right? I, I, that's, that's a lie, because I definitely, I definitely don't always only eat food. <laughs> Try to focus on the majority of your food being something that your great, great grandparents could have eaten. Um, and then, you know, whatever type of working out you like to do, biking, CrossFit, I don't know, just something. And then that meditation is big. There's, there's a lot, so much research that you could probably jump into more than myself, but with re- with meditation, it's just so good it literally changes your brain. You know, it's not, it's not spiritual. It could be, but it's not spiritual or religious. It's just simply focusing on your breath
0: yeah absolutely thank you so much those Jonathan and I think well we'll see my next question um there might be some overlap uh, yeah. so um it's one of my favorite questions to ask because I'm really curious so obviously we're all unique individuals and, and different things will kind of work uh, slightly differently for us will not work um mm-hmm. but I ask everyone that comes on if they have one to three top life tips that we could try that might have a big
1: impact in our life Definitely. I think anybody should go into therapy because, and, and I look at it more, even if you have it all together, you know, you can't, when I was going into counseling, they say, you know, if you have a, cause it's for K-12 counseling, you're biased towards your family member. So if a family member comes in, you, you need to let someone else be their counselor because you're biased. Well, how much more biased can you be when you're dealing with yourself? So by getting a therapist or something like that, even if you're not necessarily where I was, where you literally wanted to kill yourself, having that person outside of you to kind of help you just get as good as you can, right? I mean, everybody can improve. It is important. So I would say everybody should, should go into therapy, whether they need it or not, just to get coping skills. Um, I also think being vulnerable to reach out to people is really important too. Um, I've had a lot, I have really been getting into sharing my story on Instagram and TikTok and stuff. And I've had a lot of cool comments, but the, the, all the direct messages that I've gotten for the most part that are thanking me for my message are all guys that are over the age of 35, 36, 37. And they're dudes that are like big, strong. They're like, man, I'm a you know, I'm struggling. Like, how can I help? So I think that being vulnerable is, is really important in general. And then, um, Gosh, I think those are really the two main things I would say for, for everybody, you know, because then the vulnerability will lead to asking for help. If I can think of something else, I'll circle back to that. But I yeah. think those are real big. I really do. I really do. I have I've found that out, you know, that um, being vulnerable and, and getting that help from someone qualified is important.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for those. Uh so another favorite question of mine I love to read. You can't see all my books. Yeah. yeah uh, they're yeah, not even all too. in here, actually, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder if you have a recommendation of a book that maybe has been really impactful in your life or uh, that you think that people should check out.
1: Yeah, and let's I'll have this be a little, a little broad because there's all kinds of cool OCD stuff. One thing I found is um The motivational stuff at first, I used to think was just, Oh, you know, pull yourself up from the bootstraps. Um, you know, I didn't really like it at first, but going through therapy and, and especially going towards exposures has really made me look at things differently. Cause some of the motivational people, when they talk about going towards what you hate to do is actually very clinical. So there's a book, um, by David Goggins called you, um, can't hurt me very good. It's a, it's a, he's a, um, a a navy seal that had a horrible upbringing childhood and now people consider him probably the toughest man in the world and if you read it with your thinking about mental health lens on it really hits exposures in fact i was sending a lot of videos to my therapist about him like dude this is an exposure but he's talking about running so i think that's a that's a really good one just for anybody is david goggins can't hurt me um he There's two versions, one where he cusses, another one where he doesn't. So depending on if you like cussing or not, uh, you can get the clean version. But it's just it's a great book on, you know, sometimes you have to kind of pull yourself up. And if you have that lens of the exposure for OCD, I think that's really good. For someone with OCD, I would recommend a book called Brain Lock. Um, It's really it it kind of explains OCD in a pretty easy way. And then anything by a man named John Cabot zinn he does meditation and but but it's from a non um, spiritual lens. I again I like to read too, so I could talk for days, but trying to just keep the three, yeah. So so again, David, David Goggins can't hurt me. Um for OCD, I would say probably uh brain lock and then anything by John zinn for meditation. And, and he does a lot of other well-being stuff with, those are three of my favorite themes right there.
0: Yeah, lovely. Brilliant. Thank you so much for this. And then sadly, this is my final question, Jonathan, um, because, uh, yeah, I've loved having you on and and kind of chatting. Um, and that's where people can connect with you. I know we'd sort of mentioned your book at the beginning, yours and your wife's book, if you could remind us yeah. of the details and where to find it, that'd be amazing.
1: Yeah, so for me, I'm on Instagram and TikTok for under OCD strong, that's kind of my handle. Um, so please. You can direct message me there. My email's everywhere as well. Um, I, I have a website called mentalhealthstruggles.com that I'm really hoping eventually can take off so I can pick, because therapy's not cheap. And depending on if you have insurance or not, you know, that doesn't cover it all the time. So I, I really am hoping that can go somewhere. Um, and then as far as our book, yeah, we wrote a book called Obsessed, a, a couple story living with obsessive compulsive disorder and their strategies on how to deal with this condition. Um, that's a shorter read, but it's, it's kind of cool because we emphasize or, or we show not just a story. It's not a memoir necessarily. It, It shows you what to do. I was actually writing it while I was really deep into therapy. So it's really a good firsthand account on what to do from both someone that has OCD, but someone that's supporting someone, um, that piece is really missing in the literature. And in fact, it's the next book my wife and I are working on is, is we're focusing on her side of supporting people with mental health because the spouse or the support staff is often forgotten about. Um, and there's very little books out there on what spouses that or, or loved ones supporting someone with OCD should do or not do. Because even that alone is, is difficult. <laughs> um, there's a lot of things that I could tell you that she's had to do with me that are deep So um, or not do with me, so to speak. So that's, yeah. So as far hit me up on Instagram or Facebook, TikTok is the three that I'm the, the most involved with. My email is out there. Email me with any questions. And then our book, um, you can learn a little bit more about us too
0: lovely thank you so much and yeah it sounds like um, a really uh, important and necessary angle to kind of have out there and, and share with the with the books um so thank you so so much Jonathan as I said really loved uh, welcoming you onto the show and thank you so much for everything you've so graciously shared with us today
1: absolutely thank you for having me I really appreciate it
0: yeah you're welcome and I'm gonna do like a final sign-off before I stop recording because I'm <laughs> going away this weekend for my own self-care. So um, <laughs> so I normally do a big thank you. So you get another massive thank you to Jonathan for joining us. Um and all of Jonathan's details are in the show notes. Um and then you can connect with me as well at Psyche Coaching P S Y K H E Coaching on Instagram or Facebook. Although to be honest I probably won't be around this weekend because I'll be in Scotland. Um, but we'll be back next week uh, with another episode. Uh, so I always finish in the same way. Um not normally with someone else still on air with me. So bit daunting um but as always take care of yourself be kind to yourself and I'll speak to you soon bye
1: for now